passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. My name is Joey Christopoulos with my co-host, Corey Wooten. But first, today's episode is presented by who else? BetOnline.ag. It's back. It's better than ever. And what's that? It's football. And BetOnline has a new web interface for the start of the basketball season as well. And there are more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's because BetOnline remains your number one spot for basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated bet desktop or go on your mobile device right now and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code BELIEVE50. B L E A V 50 to receive that bonus. Basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. This is a Bears Buccaneers post game after the Bears lose 38,000 to 3. To the Buccaneers in Week Seven. Uh, hey man, Corey. Uh, I'm gonna bring in my co-host, former Bears defensive end and Fox 32 Chicago's Corey Wooten, right here. Corey, we both predicted a loss, but it was a little bit. It was a little bit harder to watch than what we thought, right? Yeah, it was. It was uh, very surprising, um, to say the least. Uh, I, I really didn't think it would get that out of hand. I thought it would be a tighter game throughout. Uh, <laughs> throughout. Until the third or fourth quarter, I had thought. Um, but this was out of hand in the first quarter. Um, it's really disappointing, especially when, you know, they played the Buccaneers well last year. Um, you, you just think there's going to be constant progress with the offense and defense. You, you think they're going to stop the run this week, and that doesn't happen. Um, so this seems like all the things they need to, to address on game day uh, is not being taken care of. And, you know, if, if you want to be a good team in this league, you have to make adjustments and you have to from coaches to players and the players have to go out there and execute. Right. Because the coaches could be very well, you know, addressing all these issues, especially defensively with, with the gap discipline and whatnot. But it comes down to the players actually actually going out there and doing it. You know, I, at the end of the day, they get paid, too. So, yeah, unfortunately, it was ugly again. Uh, this is the second time this season there's just been an ugly loss on the board for the Chicago Bears. It just feels like Browns redux all over again, and we're going to get into some broader stuff in just a second because, you know, Corey, we were on the pod and we were talking about Justin Fields and his progress, and I, I made the analogy to Bears fans, if you don't want to wear a seatbelt for the bumps in the road, you're going to get whiplash. Well, Matt Nagy just drove that car. You remember that Crash Test Dummies commercial, Corey? Where yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> flying off the board. Severe whiplash. Yeah, and, uh, just like I'm praying that we're all like emotionally with our heads right now. Okay, as Bears fans today, because I just want to throw it back at you. Was this game, in your opinion, 
you know, different opponent, different circumstances. But I mean, is this game in theory from the broad side of things worse than the Bears lo- Browns loss, or was that one still stick out as something that was pretty uh, easily as equally unacceptable? Yeah, I, I think the fact that um, from the Browns game, they made some adjustments, and then you saw that in the next game, even though it was the Lions, and people were like, oh, yeah, take it with a grain of salt, it's the Lions. They're still an NFL team, too. So you kind of thought there would be more consistent progress, especially from the offensive side of the ball. And then the game before this against the Raiders, um, you know, it was mixed bag. Um, we just haven't really seen that same kind of offensive performance since that Lions game. So I think, you know – this, this loss is definitely worse because you, you thought there would be an improvement, especially I thought this was a game that, you know, everyone counted them out, you know, one of the highest spreads out there for Tampa to win. I thought this would be a game where they come in and kind of shock the world and keep it tight at least. And it got out of hand from the first possession. Um, we, we, we were like, oh, gosh, <laughs> That's, that, that happened quickly with, with the Fournette score. But, yeah, I thought, I thought offensively they would just – you know, run the football, run the football, really stick to it, you know, keep Tom Brady and company off the field. And then early on, they just abandoned it. You know, it's just like, I thought Laser was going to come in after that Lions game when he called a great game, like, okay, let's continue this trend. I thought it was going to continue. And we just haven't seen the consistent, you know, one game, uh, you know, is, is, is great. But at the end of the day, you have to have consistent efforts every game. Not going to say every game is going to be like the Lions game, but you have to see some things, some similarities uh, that that you're doing as offensive front, you know, and compare that to that game. Yeah, and I think every Bears fan or any football fan wants to see progress on a weekly basis. And even yeah. if you're not going to play your best game every single week, you do want to have a feel like that you're taking a few steps forward. This was five giant leaps backwards. I think maybe in terms of if we're going to do Browns, versus Buccaneers comparisons I think Browns I had more problems with just the play calling and the way that the schematically we were setting up our players to succeed I felt like in the beginning of this Buccaneers game we can pass the hat around with a lot of lack lack of execution issues from Cole Komet dropping a pass Darnold Mooney ball slipping through his fingers uh Latavius Simmons getting beat constantly you know you know with those strip sacks Dan Orlovsky put out a stat where on the two strip sacks Justin Fields had 1.9 seconds before he was hit and then he had 2.01, which, you know, it's, it's not a lot of time. It's just not a lot of time exactly. in terms of getting rid of the football. And on top of that, the funniest part from an irony perspective of us doing the preview pods, dude, we should – I'm going to go back. I'm going to re-edit that last preview pod, and I'm just going to take out the word bears and put in the word bucks because, you know, what did we say? You were like, hey, dude, run the football, the Buccaneers, 182 rushing yards. Uh, let's try and figure out a way to, you know, attack a team that was highly penalized all season long. They had one penalty yesterday. I said, hey, you know what the Bears need? They need to flip the field. We need some field flippers. The Buccaneers had the football from the 40-yard or closer to start a drive six out of the 12 drives that they had the football. And they also have a guy named Tom Brady on the team. We said, hey, third down efficiency. Tom Brady scores. I think he threw for the first time in his career three touchdown passes on third down plays. Um, so, I mean, we were we were mapping something out, Corey. It was just for the wrong team. And yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about the guys on the field because that's what's going to matter in the long run. You know, those are the people that are going to decide whether we're winning and losing these games moving forward, whether the season wants to be saved or whether it's going to completely fall off the rails. But let's get it out of the way. The news and notes of this morning when we're taping this, 
Um, it's you know early afternoon Central Time, early afternoon Pacific Time. Matt Nagy has tested positive for COVID. Um, they're saying that he is vaccinated, so perhaps he will be on the sidelines at the end of the week. But the Bears are having a bit of a COVID outbreak problem right now on their team. And I just want to ask you, maybe not that specifically, that's just the news and notes, but what is your broad take on Matt Nagy's hold on this team right now, the direction that it's going? We talked a lot about after the Bear, the Browns game that you know every single game was going to be under a magnifying glass of whether he yeah. should continue to be coaching this team and more Justin Fields into the future. What does this do for you know the meter, the Matt Nagy meter in your mind right now moving forward? I think it's just trending downward. You know, I think um, progressively as he's, you know, been the coach of the Bears, it started out really high, right? Everyone's like, he's going to be the coach here for the next 15, 20 years. I think that's what everyone uh, honestly thought just because, you know, the the guys really bought into what he was doing. Defensive, we were playing lights out. So it made things easier for the offense. You know, we put them in good situations like the Bucs game for Tom Brady and the offense. So that's that's what we were doing on a consistent basis in Matt Nagy's first year. And since then, it's just been going downhill. Um, You know, I think the offense has progressively gotten worse over his time there. And um, yeah, I think it's just, it's just trending downward right now. And and especially after another bad loss like that, because I thought the Browns game was kind of like that wake up loss that every team has where you're like, okay, we really, we really have to, you know, buckle up and, and re- really get better as a team. And I thought that game was, was that moment for them. And it, it doesn't seem like it, it almost seems like in that game, like, you know, just just the juice and energy of the team itself just seemed, eh. you know, it just yeah. seemed like they didn't, they weren't flying around as a defense. They weren't, you know, um, a big thing I look at is, you know, when, when a quarterback gets hit and, and you know, he's on the ground or, you know, he's, he's getting pressured all day, you know, guys help help the quarterback up. And you didn't see too much of that. And I think that's just, I, I don't know, you know, certain games, people aren't up for, I don't know, for whatever reason, but it didn't seem like the Bears players were up for that game. And, uh, you know, hats off to Tom Brady and them. They played a great game, but you still have to be competitive. You know, defensively, they're better than that. Offensively, they're better than that as well. So I, I just, it, it's, pe- people almost, you know, are, are feeling like maybe, you know, he's lost some of the locker room in, in, in a way, you know, it's especially after two performances like that. Um, it's just, it's kind of embarrassing, you know, to, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, it's getting really difficult because I'm trying to just if I had put myself in the mental mind frame of maybe some of the players or whatever, not to say that they gave up on the game, but the the job of a head coach, in my opinion, is to try and safeguard performances like this. Right. And create a floor that is high enough where you can compete on a weekly basis. And the problem with Matt Nagy is what he's kind of shown is that that floor can cave in really quickly and it can go so far down. My fear a little bit is two things. One. When things started going bad early, I can't help but feel like maybe some players in the back of their minds started to feel like, hey, is this Browns all over again? Because they already had something so close to pull off of a negative experience. New negative experience starts happening. Sometimes that can snowball. And then the other part, Corey, and this is the thing with Matt Nagy, is we're averaging 14.4 points a game this season. The score after the first quarter was 21 to nothing. So I'm, you know... I'm working in sports. I did comedy for a while. Not a math major, but I'm just telling you, if they're already at 21, we average 14.4. How do you not sort of feel a little bit dejected, right, or a little bit deflated? And I know that you want to fight. And I felt like the defense at times was able to kind of, you know, 
put together a four quarter performance. You know, they got their butt kicked, but they still, you know, on that fourth down, they stopped him on that one drive. Yeah. But again, when we went down and kicked a field goal, Tampa Bay came right back down and scored a touchdown right on that very next drive. Right. So exactly. it just kind of really it kind of really deflated itself from there. Just more stuff with Matt Nagy, just real quick. They ran a stat, and this is something that, you know, whether he's a great person, whether he's a good coach, this is the problem. He's now 3-15 and 15 in his career against the following coaches, Sean Payton, Matt LaFleur, Bill Belichick, Bruce Arians, Gary Kubiak, Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Doug Peterson. Now, the reason why I'm bringing up all those coaches is outside of LaFleur and Payton, all those coaches have been to a Super Bowl in the last six years. The other two guys, one of them's in the division, and Sean Payton has been pretty damn close, right, with a lot of NFC championships. This is the kind of competition that Bears fans and the Bears team wants to get to. Matt Nagy's 3-15 and 15 against those teams. Yeah. And then the other one is we've been bringing up on the show for a couple weeks now. It happened again in this game. The personal fouls. They're tied yeah. for second most in the NFL right now in 12 personal fouls. And in Matt Nagy's career, in four years as coach, He's had five players ejected. That is the second most in the NFL, only to the Miami Dolphins who have had eight players ejected. Corey, man, we talked about Ryan Jensen. And then Matt Nagy after the game said, yeah. Ryan Jensen is going to, you know, we saw it on the first drive too. There was that little extra extracurricular. And I was like, man, something's going to happen with Jensen in this game. And then Blount Nichols got kicked out. Can you help pick and parcel just for Bears fans a little bit of what happens in that situation? Does that connect to Matt Nagy? Uh, you know, how does that, how does that, process kind of play out because this lack of discipline is is a pattern that continues to develop you know i, I definitely think it, it, it translates to you know what what's being said in the in the, in the rooms and whatnot because you know uh, this various defense especially in general has had some kind of penalties you know from the taunting uh you know for the defensive backs the guys like mario edwards you know in there just getting unnecessary taunting plays and then a lot of nickels gets kicked out in this game so i think it's a direct reflection sometimes on the the possibly the, the defensive staff because you know what, what I always said is like when we were coached by you know a guy I always bring up Rod Marinelli because I feel like everyone you know just wanted to run through a brick wall for him like do whatever for him and you know discipline was what he always preached you know like hey being disciplined none of that extra stuff you know we played Rick, Rich Incognito for years when he played for, for Miami and, you know, Marinelli was saying, Hey, the whole time he's going to try to do the extra stuff. I don't want to see any of you guys getting extra, you know, you know, the, the after the whistle penalties or anything like that, he's going to push you. He's going to call you every name in the book. He might do this, that, the other. He said, I don't want any extracurricular, you know, fouls out there. And nobody did, but I think that's just what needs to be said every week, you know, and that they're maybe not putting much emphasis on it because, you know, it kind of gets overlooked. You're like, oh, I mean, you know, they're, they're being aggressive. They're doing this. But in situations like that, you can't get kicked out of games. You can't, you know, you can't have that stuff after the whistle. You, you have to be disciplined. Right. And, and there's sometimes where you have to stick up for your for your players or whatnot. But all those penalties can, can be avoided. I didn't think it was anything that was, you know, like an old lineman needing to defend his quarterback after somebody, you know, threw him to the ground and did some extra stuff. It wasn't anything like that. So, you know, if I'm a coach and something like that happens, you know, where Justin Fields gets sacked and there's Jason Pierre Paul's over him like this and doing this, if I'm an old lineman, I'm going to push him off and I'll take, I'll take that penalty. As a coach, I will take that pen penalty as well because you got your players back for somebody trying to do something extra, but the stuff, you know, where you're throwing a running back to the ground after the whistle and all this you know, Tommy tough guy stuff. No, that, that's, that's gotta, that's, you gotta nip that in the butt because 
that's what what hurts you and that shows that you're not a disciplined team at this point and it all it all it all filters down to everything right why do you think they haven't been able to stop the run it's not it's not because they're not talented enough up front it's because of gap discipline right and then you're not gap discipline then what are you doing the extra stuff after the play you're not assignment sound you know on, on the secondary right we've seen a lot of blown assignments blown coverages it, it all filters in and and that's what you see from the offense to the defense to the special teams they're, they're just not a very disciplined ball club. And I think when this situation happens in practice, you got to get back to the basics, okay? Assignment sound, discipline sound, everything from, from the offensive line, knowing all your checks, knowing all your reads, your protections, you knowing which way, hey, they're going to come on this blitz, then they're going to pop out there, then they're going to bring that guy off the edge. Just like Justin Fields got sacked on that one. He's got to know that that's coming from there, right? As a front, the front's got to know it, the center, the left tackle, they all have to communicate that. Justin Fields has to know that and be able to get that ball out quick. So that's the little things I'm talking about that translate onto the field. And they just have to make a more, they have to make an effort of it. You know, that's that's what it comes down to. You know, from every practice, um, you know, people always say, oh, we, have, we had a great practice this week. Yeah. Okay, practices are great. But you have to go out there and execute, you know, at the end of the day. And uh, I think I think sometimes in this league when there are some teams that can just go out there and, and practice and go through the motions and show up on, on game day and just and just perform. That's how some teams are. Um, but there's other teams that need to hit a little bit. You need to, you need to be a little physical at least one day a week, you know, grind it out, um, you know, work on the run game, work on this and what this league sometimes is becoming is, okay, let's take care of the guys' bodies, let's do this, and let's not keep some physical components of football during the week. And I get it, everybody has to get the game day, but there's cer certain things you need to work on. And, and you know, in this league, you don't get as much of an offseason that you used to. You know, you used to have, you know, OTAs this amount of days, then you had pads during uh, training camp. Now you can only hit a certain amount of days. So many, so many different rules. So. You know, I think that's what you're seeing is, is sometimes it becomes a lack of discipline because I, I feel like certain times practices have gotten a different way, you know, and sometimes that can go negative. I'm just going to name a few guys, and if I'm missing someone, please throw someone out mm -hmm. there. But you've played for Rod Marinelli, as you've said. Mm -hmm. You've played for Lovey Smith. And in any walk in life and any job that you have, of course, you're going to have authority figures. And oftentimes, you know, every – boss or even a coworker who's maybe on the same level as you they deserve a certain type of respect and you can also maybe go ahead and really like the person that you work for and really like your boss and, and respect your boss is there a difference or did you notice a difference with guys like rod lovey zimmer where sometimes of course we're all out there to play for our own individual pride and for our families but you're also a team at the same time and you want to go out there, and it sounds like you wanted to play for Rod Marinelli, right? It sounded like you wanted to do the right things in the field because you didn't want to disappoint him. You know, I don't want to say, like, you you, fear, you feared Rod Marinelli, but maybe you feared getting pulled off the field because if you didn't do what he wanted you to do, you wouldn't get snaps. The same way that Tom Thibodeau has that same kind of respect with his players. I'm just asking questions a little bit, too, because I see talent yeah. on the defensive side of the ball, and then you're talking about lack of gap discipline. Um, I'm talking. Yeah. We're, we're looking at stuff on the offensive side, and we can't seem to cohesively get through a couple of weeks and get build on this game plan. I'm just kind of asking questions. Is Matt Nagy a great guy? Is he a good coach? But maybe just that little intangible of that fear 
of if you screw up, you're not going to play. I'm wondering if that's in play right now or if that's maybe been lost in the locker room just a little bit right now. Yeah, I, I, th- I think, um, you know, in a way it probably could have, you know, um, playing for guys like Marinelli, Lovey, uh, Zimmer, you know, guys really, like you said, they, they wanted to do like go up above and beyond your job and you, you, you know, almost like didn't want to disappoint them in a way. And I feel like just people had that respect, like you run through a wall for, for that coach. And sometimes, you know, at the end of the day, right, we're all pros and we, we have to play the same way regardless of what coach is there, right? But I'll give you an example. Back when 2012, you remember that season, we had one of our best defensive performances yeah. um, in Bears history, uh, in the NFL history, takeaways, um, you know, sacks, uh, et cetera. Like, I think Tim Jennings had 10 picks that year, you know, uh, Peanut, I think, had four pick sixes. Like, it was unbelievable. But Rod Marinelli was the defensive coordinator. Lovey was there. And, you know, like I said, we had one of the best defenses, top five defense. And the next year, right, we have basically the same same personnel with the exception of Erlacher, right? We have a new uh, defensive coordinator, Mel Tucker. We go from being one of the best defenses in the league to one of the worst. I think we were 31st in, in, or 32nd in total defense. We were awful. Same personnel, same staff. It wasn't like anybody was – you know, getting super old and couldn't play anymore. You know, we still had Julius Peppers that had 11 sacks the year before. Uh, Lance Briggs was still playing at an all-pro level. Same with Tim Jennings, uh, Peanut Tillman. Um, yeah, like, it was just a just completely different vibe, uh, completely different. And you remember that uh, Packers game in 2013 where Chris Conte got beat deep, yeah. um, and then that put the Packers in the playoffs. That game, I don't know if you remember, there was a fumble on there and nobody picked it up on our end. Right. Right. And, and that was something that would have never happened when Lovey and Rob Marinelli were there because of just what we practice, right? Every ball that was tipped, batted, anything, we just practiced scooping and scoring, no matter what, it was just ingrained in our brain. So they said, Hey, if there's a situation in the game where the ball's on the ground, you're picking it up no matter what, you, you, you know, you, you're doing what you're supposed to do every time. And that's just kind of a habit that, that was ingrained in us. And we did it on game day, no matter what. You know, no matter if it was an obvious tip ball and hit the ground, we just scoop and score it anyway. And that led the following year to us not picking up a ball that was live that we should have been able to have a takeaway in there. So little stuff like that creeped in. That's one season, right? Same personnel, same staff. We're, we're you know, basically the same players. But just that mindset of, of being with a different staff and, and what, what they really focus on and what what they're focused on uh, carries over to you. So that's that's what I think is happening now. I think it's just, you know, the different people coming in, Sean Desai and, and him having a different uh, philosophy. And, and, you know, when coaches first get started as a, as a main position, maybe they don't want to piss people off or be too this or that. Um, but sometimes, you know, with, with certain guys out there, right, you have, you have to chew them out a little bit. You know, there's some guys that like, you know, have established themselves like Khalil Mack or Akeem Hicks or Robert Quinn, you know, yelling at them, calling them every name, but it isn't going to matter. You know, they know what they need to do. But for some of the younger players that, that, you know, need a little kick in the rear end, you have to keep it real with them and, you know, get on them a little bit because I, I think that's what brings the best out of your younger players. And that's what we need more from, right? You know, I think the, you know, the, the bulk of the veteran players have done a good job, but it's the guy stepping in and, and filling some of these roles that we need to, to step in and, and be more disciplined. You know, a guy like Mario Edwards, right, that's a, a key part of the um, rotation. 
right? Stay, stay away from those penalties, things of that nature, right? A guy like Gibson on, on the D line, I think he does a great job in there, but too many times in the run game, you see him get out of his gap, right? And he was starting, uh, you know, because Quinn couldn't go. So that's, that's a big thing in there, right? I love what he does when he comes off the bench, but when you're in there as a starter, you have to be gap disciplined. You have to stay in your gaps. You can't get out of that. You know, you can't run around blocks. So stuff like that is, is stuff that creeps in. And, um, you know, I think it's a direct reflection of, of the coaching staff and what they're preaching right now. And not to say they're doing a bad job, but different coaches prioritize different things. Yeah, totally. Look, I, I'm not trying to say, like, I don't think any of us are saying Mel Tucker's a bad guy. I don't even think we're saying Mel no. Tucker's a bad coach. I think he's still in the college game right now. I'm just saying that yeah. there's a distinct difference. You know, Fangio to Chuck Pagano. Same yep. thing. Pagano comes in, and to what you're talking about a little bit, I never forget. He's like, "Hey, I don't want to change anything. I just want to get you know what I mean." And like, there's something about that that is appealing to the players to get them on their side. But there's another part of it where I think Vic Fangio had everyone on their toes, right? Like, don't mm -hmm. piss off Vic. And to your point, also in this game this week, there's just little stuff that's going on that just really has me scratching my head. Jalen Johnson's late for a meeting. He puts it on Instagram. It turns into a whole media cycle thing, and then he has to go and talk about it in a press conference, and he probably had his worst game of the season this weekend. Now, was he guarding Mike Evans, one of the best receivers in the game? We can pick and parcel the combination of it, yeah. but I'm just kind of seeing these things that just kind of creep, getting creeping up. You know, Elijah Wilkinson tests positive for COVID twice in one year. Is Matt Nagy the coach for the future, which I'm starting to doubt more and more by the day, and I think in my head I've already probably made that decision, but it's a long season and I'm not here to necessarily like, you know, do that right now. So I have to do a 180 if they go on some win streak. But at the same time, I'm just kind of curious what it looks like in the next couple of weeks. Can you talk about from your experience? Let's stay in the locker room for a second. Mm -hmm. How do you define this week heading into a game at home, which we've played well at home so far against the San Francisco 49ers? How do you define resiliency when people talk about being resilient? What mm -hmm. does that mean for you as a player? What does that mean for a team? And what do you think that means that the Bears need to be focusing on every single day this week leading into that game next week? You know, I think when, when I look at the, how bad of a loss this was this past week is, is when you say resiliency, is, is bouncing back and, and, you know, sticking with the game plan, right? When you know things are going well, right? That Lions game, I always bring back that because that was the best offensive performance as a team, right? Stick with the running game. Like this past week with the Bucks, it seems like, after they scored the first drive, it was almost like they felt like, okay, seven, nothing. Oh, we, let's not get a, uh, let them get ahead of us. And we got to pass the ball. We got to, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, what? Like, freaked out. You know, they, they do that. Exactly. Exactly. You, you need to stick with, with the game plan. And I always said this I said, a running game can keep the opposing quarterback, if he's a talented quarterback and there's a talented offense off the field, right? So that's how you neutralize. Even if you don't score on a drive, like let's say if they started out drives where they're like, okay, two runs to Khalil Herbert, then we're in a third and, and two. You know, it's a manageable situation where we can maybe do a, a, a sprint out, a boot, mm -hmm. something, a quick completion that we can get a first down, right? Then then once we get the first down, hey, let's run the ball again. Oh, then then maybe a play action and then run the football again. And then let's say we get off on that third down, right? You had consecutive plays out there. You were driving down the field. You kept the other offense off the field. So sometimes just because you didn't capitalize on that drive and score doesn't mean it was a failed drive. 
Um, you know, it, everything in, 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 in offense is, is rhythm and timing and getting the right plays called, right. And establishing the run. Okay. Establishing the run and then getting the pass. And I thought that's what Tampa did really well in that game, right. That's something that they were trying to focus on. Let's get our running game going. Cause I, I knew they were going to try to exploit the bears, you know, the, their, their lack of consistent defensive run support. Um, but that that's how you win games over there is, is keeping people off balance. And how do you do that with a running game? You look at every team that's doing well. Look at Tennessee. Look how how it's been a career saver for Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, Why? real quick. I know it's not the same, but the Chiefs had a yeah. pretty bad day yesterday, too. I think Chiefs fans exactly. are feeling the same as Bears fans. Just real quick, yeah. a little bit of perspective. Yeah, and I, I think the Chiefs' struggles come down to the lack of run game. Uh, it's It's hard for any quarterback out there, you know, with the with the exception of you know like I always said like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers there's two quarterbacks that could kind of manage sometimes without a run game you know um but most quarterbacks need it even Patrick Mahomes you know that look at um what's his name uh you know I, I think uh you know when I look at Kansas City I, I think the tight end position you know Travis Kelsey's been doing a great job Tyreek Hill you know yeah. I, I think they're getting them going but what, what it comes down to is when when you can focus on two guys and, and you and you really stuff the run game, it's, it makes it hard for anybody, even Patrick Mahomes, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the game. So, you know, Tennessee, like I was saying, Ryan Tannehill, it saved his career. Like, look at before that, everyone was writing him out saying he's he's not a good quarterback, he can't play this, that, and the other. And then he goes to Tennessee with a great running game, and it, and it reinvigorates his career. And now he's, you know, throwing for touchdowns. You know, he's able to mix and match that the pass and run. And it makes it so much easier. So people are like, oh, well, I wonder why. It's, it's simple. Like, every team can do it. You, you have to make an effort, right? Some teams are going to be better off the bat running the football, right? You know when you got Derrick Henry, you're going to be better. But the Bears have a talent, talented trio of backs. You know, we, we've seen that. Khalil Herbert, you know, was the third stringer. And look at him. He's going for over 100. He almost had 100 in, in the first half. He had 77, I think. Um, so I don't understand why so early on in games, they, ch they try to abandon the run and get too cute and think it like, even at a situation where you're 21, nothing in the first half, the game's still not out of reach. You know, it's, it's three scores, but you're still in the first half. So I didn't understand why they felt like they had to, to just pass the ball. You know? Yeah, this is these are really interesting points you're bringing up because I'm thinking now about the Kansas city chiefs a little bit, a team that won a super bowl very recently and a team that everyone thought would go to the super bowl again this year. And not to compare them to the Chicago Bears, but they're both teams in the NFL. It's this sense, I feel like, of when you have a deficiency or when you have a lack of execution in a certain area of the field, mm -hmm. it just can kind of tip the scales out of whack really, really quickly. And it's depending on how you handle that adversity and handle that is kind of the mark of a team where let's talk about the Chiefs real quick. Clyde Edwards Lair out. You know what I mean? He's on the IR right now. They don't have a lot of running back options, so they're kind of one-dimensional in that particular area. On top of it, their defense got off to a really bad start this year. So now I'm always kind of thinking now, do the Chiefs feel like they have to do a little bit extra always on offense to put themselves in a position to win games? And then, oh, that's maybe why Patrick Mahomes has 11 turnovers through the first seven games that he's played. Tennessee Titans, on the other hand, they have that running game. Now all of a sudden Ryan Tannehill doesn't feel this pressure to be a franchise quarterback all the time. But let's bring it back to the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears, when a right tackle blows a block or maybe your rookie running back, you know, blows a block and a pass protect, stuff kind of goes wrong a little bit. One, you know, we, we freak out way too fast, and we feel like mm -hmm. that we have to all of a sudden now start throwing the ball. 
And I also kind of wonder, you know, are there players like an Eddie Jackson or someone else being like, hey, man, if I don't make a play out here, if I don't turn the ball over, if I don't do something huge right here, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. And it just kind of sort of tips the scales from, I think, maybe a balanced discipline that I think all teams want to have a little bit. And on top of this now, Corey, the Bears are 4-19 and on third down the last two games. And I, I have to be honest, you know, I love what I'm seeing from Khalil Herbert. And I think at times, you know, man, him or him around the edge is a beautiful thing to watch. It is very – I mean, I'm – him and David Montgomery moving forward, I think that's a bright future in the backfield. And guess what? It's super cheap. They're both on their rookie contracts. Good news for the Chicago Bears. But I'm also kind of asking questions of, you know, let's get into Justin Fields a little bit. All we want from him this season is to see some progress. Where are you on that – progress conversation after this game what was your take on his performance this week yeah I, I thought um it was probably his worst performance uh to, to date you know I thought this was worse than the, the Browns game and um you know I agree with some of the points like what, what uh, Dan Arlovsky said at times he didn't have much time um you know so those plays but the interceptions um you know some some of the you know the one was just he threw it up there and he threw a prayer up and, and you're kind of like, well, what is going on? And I, I've told you, I think there, there's situations where he thinks, you know, he just needs to get the ball out. And, and, you know, I want to, I want to almost prove that I can be a pocket passer. And, and listen, we know he can complete it in the pocket. That's, that's not a question, but the thing is right now it's taking too long. His reads and progressions, I think they're taking too long in there. And, you know, those two sacks, you know, um, came quick, the, the Jason Pierre Paul ones, I believe, but some of the other ones, it was like, come on, like he was holding the ball too long. He's like rendering out yeah. there. Like when we do yeah, these yeah, zooms yeah. and we don't have great receptions sometimes, you know, we're, yeah. we just bam. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. Exactly. And I think, um, you know, when you hold the ball too long, um, like I said, in this league, these pass rushers are too talented, you know, Shaq Barrett and, and Jason Pierre Paul, they're two talented pass rushers. They're going to get home every time. So you really have to, to get the ball out quick. And, and what I said, I said this on the post game too, is he has to have a clock in his head, right? He has to have a clock. And I think, um, I think I've said Green Bay has this clock. I think they have a clock out there when they're going through passing period. And, and it beeps, like I think every two seconds. So you have to get the ball out before then. And I think that's something Justin Fields needs to have in his head, right? One, two, it's not there, it's not there. Tuck it and go, right? Or, you know, throw it out of bounds. Do something with your feet. Because when he's, at the times uh, yesterday, when he really decided to tuck it and go, like really mean it, like, okay, okay, it's not there, boom, tuck it and go, and he's definitive about it, he looks good. But in situations where he's kind of like, oh, I'm in between, like, let me, you know, kind of this, you know, he's trying to he's trying to feel, no, you got, you got a one, two, it's not there, tuck it and go. You know, scramble to the outside, you know, with the option to still maybe complete it down the field. You know, if you got one of your guys running one of those goal routes or cross routes, or if not, run and get three three yards, run and get five yards, you know, throw it out of bounds if someone's coming coming in your face. So that way you have options. You're not taking bad sacks. You're not getting, you know, behind the downs. And, and I think that's what a lot of the problems is in certain situations. He holds it too long and then he takes a sack that's 13 yards and then, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at second and 23 and you're like, oh, shoot, you know, and that's that's a hard situation to recover from. So if we can get in situations where we run the football, you know, maybe get him a quick pass, you know, five, six yards, get things going, get that run game going. And then we can expand it a little bit, you know, but once we have command of that running game. So 
going forward, that's what they need more of. And that's how he's going to get more confident because in this game, you're, you're doing nothing but killing his confidence, you know, and it's just making things worse. And then people say, oh, yeah, look at Matt Nagy. He's the quarterback killer, you know, and, and it, it seems like in a way, I know he's not calling the plays anymore, but everything that happens is a direct reflection of him, you know, and, and the things that have been going on since Mr. Trubisky, it stings people and, and people are just going to continue talking about that. So, yeah, th this week, I mean, really got to get the running game going and not abandon it. Like Khalil Herbert is talented. I mean, he had 100 yards in a game where you should have gave him the ball a lot more. So I these these offensive linemen, they run block very well. So why not cater to the strengths of what they're doing well? It seems like a no brainer. But every game, yet again, oh yeah, let's do this, let's do this. No, let's let's this game, let's go two tight ends, right? This is the team we're playing this week has been struggling too, right? On, on both sides of the football. This would be a great confidence builder game. You know, after a terrible loss, you can only go up from here. Let's come out with two tights, you know, let's let's run the football, you know, because they have some talented tight ends in there. They they have a very deep tight end room. So let's and where where know, was Alex Bars? Where was Alex Bars yeah, in this game? I, I don't exactly. I didn't see any of that, the stuff that they exactly him. yeah, having that tackle eligible, have him over as another blocking guy. Um, I, I just think they need to make an effort like smash mouth football, like not not try to get too cute with anything, kind of do like the old standard, you know, Michigan offense where we zone right, zone left, set up that play action. Um, it makes everything a lot easier for the offense the quarterback it takes the pressure off him they're running the football well that's the best thing they're doing offensively right now so why not do it you know this game especially two tight ends let's do it smash mouth football let's open it up and then you can use those same tight ends right you know um you can use Cole Komet in there he'll be a lot more productive in there if you can establish that run game Right. Some of those zone beater uh, things that he was running a couple of weeks ago that he looked well with. Um, yeah, that's, that's what they need to do. And I I just it just baffles me. You know, when I see <laughs> when I see when they're running the ball well and then there's like, OK, let's pass. And it's like, what? Like, you know, it'd be, it'd be like, uh, you know, Robert Quinn, you know, just just having his number on, on a left tackle. And he has three sacks in the first quarter. And you're like, OK, let's move him to the right tackle just because, uh, you know, it's seems like a good idea let's let's let Khalil Mack go over here right and you're like no 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 no, no. let's, let's, let's have him let's have him guard Chris Godwin let's exactly <laughs> it, it just seems it just seems like backwards some of the things they're doing and and coaches will always overcomplicate things I think that's they have so much prep and so much study that they go over things a million times and like okay let's run this no let's run this and you second guess yourself and it's like no listen what we do well, run the football. Okay, let, let's start out this drive. Hey, if there's if we have eight plays, five of them are run plays. Let's 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 make that our, our effort, right? Because I think when they have that two to one, you know, run to pass ratio, that's when things kind of work out for, for the better. So if they can do that, I, I think they can give Justin Fields some confidence because you can just tell that the way they're running that offense, he's not confident in. And I've, I know they're very cognizant of like how the quarterback's ego and stuff like that is. And, and I've always said, Hey, listen, he's tough. He can take it, but you don't want to set up a guy to have negative games consecutively. And then all of a sudden that really starts to wear in his confidence, right? Because, you know, in, in a way you do have to protect the quarterback's ego to some extent, right? Yeah. Especially a young guy that's, that's figuring it out, you know, some of the older guys that have back-to-back -back bad games. Like a couple of years ago, remember Ben Roethlisberger was having some terrible games 
And then he bounced back and threw like six, six touchdowns and then four the next game, five. So that's the guy that can bounce back. Like Justin Fields, I think you need to get his confidence up because you can just tell, you know, everything on the sideline, his body language, um, you know, in a game like that just didn't seem very confident. And you go back to that Lions game. You just saw how he was in the pocket when you got the hard play action and he's bouncing in there. You give him time to set up. And what it does, it just keeps the team off balance. Like right now, it's just like, okay, we know what they're going to do. Okay. Oh, they're lining up like that. They're going to, they're, they're going to pass. Okay. Let me pin my ears back. And they're very predictable now when they pass. So that's why I would like them to get more to those two tight end sets because then that you can really disguise the pass at that point, right? When you're in a gun, you kind of know by where the running back is positioned or the offensive lineman by their stance, if they're running or passing. If you're in that two tight end set, he's under center, you kind of don't know. You can't tell, right? That's when you do the hard play actions and keep them off balance where it keeps those rushers away from you, right? And that's how you set up the run game. So if they can do more of that next game, you know, a lot of those two tight end sets, that's in that Lions game when they were really rocking and rolling offensively, you know, where they had good mix and match. That was probably the most balanced game I've seen, you know, being able to run the football and pass the ball. And it started with that. You know, there's the direct correlation to, you know, having those type of uh, fronts out there, you know, with the two tight ends, you know, him under center to the success of him. That's when he can take those hard play action looks. So get back to that. In my opinion, you're hitting it right on the head. Now, one, let's start here. I think Justin Fields will bounce back from this game. I think he will play better next week, and I think he'll play better moving forward. And I know it's kind of rah-rah, but personally, if we're going to go through some of these bumps in the road right now as he's making progress, I loved the fact that the dude in pads, in uniform, went up and did post-game, did the post-game press conference, and went first last night. He didn't get undressed. He went up and goes, hey, I'm going first, and got up there and spoke for the team and talked a little bit about how he never I, – I don't know. I just – I like that. The dude obviously cares. And then while he's doing that, he's also like, hey, we're going to have bad days. We just got to have a you know, better one tomorrow. He didn't sulk or anything like that. I love that. But going back to your point just real quick, let's go back to the Detroit game, which you, you, you mentioned. And I noticed a couple of things. One, on the play action – what happened early on in that game? Darnold Mooney makes a sensational catch, right, on that one on that one crossing route. And I think that kind of galvanized and gave a young rookie quarterback like Justin Fields confidence. Let's roll it over to this Buccaneers game. First one, we run the ball, third down, pass to Cole Komet, first down, good pass, drop ball, right? We punt it, the guy Darden does a 40-yard return, Buccaneers score, we come back. Second play on that drive play action it's blown up strip sack loses it so the two things that we kind of need for justin fields a rookie quarterback who needs confidence and everything that you're talking about right now the two things that we need to kind of got eradicated right away and instead of saying you know what let's take it off his shoulders and let's just run 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 they kept trying to like figure out ways to get him rolling and another part and i've read from other analysts that I guess one of the bugaboos or one of the telltale signs of a lack of trust with a quarterback is when he starts throwing high. Because when he throws high, the idea is I want to protect the football, so I'm going to throw high so my receiver can get it and only my receiver can get it. The only problem with that is it leads to accuracy issues, and we've kind of seen that with some of the interceptions recently. And I'm just kind of wondering, Justin Fields has done such a good job of protecting the football, in my opinion, up to this week. He's got five in this game right now. It all kind of caves in on him. 
And I just think this this coaching staff has such a little room. This little margin for error is just so slim with them that I'm. I mean, again, man, I'm in agreement with you. We really just need to learn how to pick our spots a little bit better. Like you know, keep running the football over and over and over again. You have to have some trust. You can't be scared. I don't care if it's Tom Brady. You can't be scared that he's going to score on every single drive until it happens. Then, you know, then that's, that's when you tip your cap, but that's kind of what this Bears offense did a little bit. And I just felt like some of those drops early on in that game really, really hurt him. And to roll it forward, can you kind of help explain what's going on with Allen Robinson? I think he's a great player. I think he's a good dude. I was really excited when Fields was name starting quarterback i was like oh man let's watch these two guys cook a veteran who knows how to run routes getting open for a kid who might need someone who's open for once in a while i don't see the guy open a lot what do you what do you see with alan robinson going on right now how do we fix that because that's probably one of the biggest and easiest ways for us to kind of get rolling at all in the passing game moving forward yeah i mean i i I can tell you know alan robinson is definitely a little frustrated with this offense you know i think it's it's been Mm -hmm. present you know from that browns game and etc um you know, I think it's definitely frustrating as, as a top receiver, probably not getting the targets he wants. And it, it's 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 all it all goes to you mentally and, and it starts to make him angry. And he's probably, you know, in his head a little bit about it. And, you know, I think it, it some, like, sometimes translates to the field, you know, when in certain situations where you maybe would give a little extra or whatnot, you know, maybe the situation where you just get so frustrated. And we've seen receivers, um, you know, from guys like Brandon Marshall in the past have been like, you know, Whatever, you know, and, and and I'm not saying he's at that state right now, but I think it's a little in his head that he's like, man, you know, things offensively aren't going there. You know, I know he wants to get paid. This is a big year for him. Um, you know, probably wants to re-up or, or be somewhere else. So I know that's frustrating, you know, when you're a talented receiver and you're not getting the targets, you're not getting the catches, the you know, yards that you want to. Um, and you're like, I know I'm better than this. So it, it, it all kind of comes together. And I'm just hoping that, you know, Allen Robinson – isn't going to get the same type of separation like a guy like Darnell Mooney. You know, it's just Allen Robinson is talented, um, you know, but he's going to be that guy that, hey, they're going to be on him a little tighter. But what separates him is the ability to go up and get it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we were talking about, you know, in some prior podcasts is is getting that relationship with with uh, Fields and Allen Robinson to a point where, hey, I can throw you that back shoulder. I can throw you that out route before you're going to break. And I know where you're going to go. And that's just not on the same page right now. So I think that's when you see, um, you know, guys like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. We had two great quarterbacks to watch because you see the way they get the ball out and they know exactly what the receiver is going to do. And they have it there before it's even there. Looking at the Green Bay game this past week and Rodgers threw a touchdown to his tight end. And it was on the in the red zone, right on the goal line. And the ball comes out like his his tight ends running a little post route right to the to the pylon. And you can see even before he he chops his feet to, to get his cut out, the ball's out. And it's exactly where his receiver's going. His receiver turns on there, catches the ball for a touchdown, puts it right on the money where only his receiver. So that's something that they need to work on, right? Because that's that's that quarterback wide receiver connection knowing where he's going to go before. And then certain times where Allen Robinson slipped on the one, you know, knowing where people are going to be. And they, he, Allen Robinson has to know where Justin Fields is going to put the ball and, and vice versa. So there's just not, they're not on the same page as, as a whole front. And the thing is, you know, in that Lions game, you know, you talked about Mooney having that great catch, helping him out, you know, Allen Robinson has great catches. When a quarterback is struggling, a younger guy, 
you got to make the catches for him. You got to help him out when you can. Cole Komet, you got to catch that ball. So, you know, if you want things to get better offensively, you have to make the plays when they're throwing at you. If if it's an errant ball where where you you couldn't get it, I get it. But if your hands are on it, that should have been a catchable ball. You have to catch it in these situations when you have a struggling offense. Isn't there – they should create some kind of training camp where uh, you can work on that and you give Justin Fields all the reps and he can work with his veterans. I don't know. Maybe something that we can think about some other time. Corey, man, uh, as a Bears fan, I'm I'm depressed. Uh, I'm embarrassed. This is the second time this year. It's tough, man. Um, You know, what what else? What else do you got? Uh, Because I'm – you know, it, it's it's one of those things where you got to start turning the page again. Bears fans, I know this really, really sucks to feel. But the 49ers did not look very good last night. They're dealing with their own quarterback problems. You know, they're kind of coming apart at the seams. We've played well at home. There is a way to get back very, very easily to four and four. And, you know, it's going to be hard to wash this taste out of your mouth because you know Corey, yeah we we both said they were going to lose the game but we thought they were going to be competitive yeah i just don't think anyone thought that the bottom was going to fall out like this flush it like like i did that that number two earlier today this morning (laughs) i think they just need to flush it man i think Um, that was the buccaneers game honey (laughs) i think that's yeah (laughs) exactly yeah smelled pretty bad i'll tell you (laughs) but um yeah they need to flush it forget about it right obviously you got to use it as a teaching moment and and to things you could execute it better but it starts this week, and, and as cliche as that sounds, right, like you said, 49ers are a team that's struggling right now. They're, they're kind of similar to the Bears trying to figure out their identity offensively. Um, you know, defensively, they haven't uh, played, you know, like, like they normally do when Salah was there. Um, so I think, I think there's some holes there that we can exploit, and there's nothing better like, hey, you're three and four at this point, right? You got a chance to go four and four. And I think that's huge to be 500 and you got an extra game this season. So I think it, it all factors in. And, and this week, I, I just really want them to see offensively, just stick with the run game. And, and I say it every week, but just do not abandon it at all. You know, just stick with the running game, stick with that two to one ratio, really get Khalil Herbert going, um, you know, and then get some of those hard play action looks defensively. The difference this season, then when Vic Fangio was there, Vic Fangio, they used to they used to call him like the evil genius or whatever because he dialed up those blitzes, and that's that's what separated him, right? Because and then you look at when Vic Fangio was there, we didn't have a guy like Robert Quinn opposite Khalil Mack, right? We had we had Leonard uh, Leonard Floyd that wasn't wasn't capable of, of what he's doing now. He didn't play that way. Um, he was a guy that had three sacks, four sacks a season. Um, you know, Khalil Mack did his thing. We don't have we didn't have a guy like Robert Quinn, but what did Fangio do? He dialed up the blitz. He kept that offensive line, the quarterback, um, you know, them having that exchange of protection. He kept them off balance, right? Roquan Smith was able to get sacks, Trevathan, etc. Um, and, and Corey, real quick, how, how many sacks did we have against the Buccaneers this weekend? We had zero. Just checking. Exactly right, and and, and in a game where somebody's passing the ball on you like that. Um, I just don't understand why there weren't some adjustments made and like, okay, let's, let's bring the pressure on them because we can't give them all day. Um, but yeah, I think that's the biggest difference right now is Vic Fangio dialed up the blitz. And like I said, we didn't have the talented and opposite, you know, Khalil Mack like we do now. So if you can dial it up like Vic Fangio and Hey, is every defensive coordinator has their scheme and what they do, but sometimes you have to look at the old tapes, right. Of what Vic Fangio did well. 
and look at how he confused the uh, offensive lines and quarterbacks and get back to that because, you know, offenses, you know, when they're able to, to, you know, make, make, uh, you know, run the football, then pass the ball. It's really hard for a defense to get you like, Oh shoot, I can't stop the run. I can't do this. But listen, once you stop the run, you get gap discipline, you dial up that blitz. Right. And we talked about the bears, third down defense they've kind of been struggling this year yeah that's how you get that better you bring pressure in the quarterback's face because what does it do it gets the ball out quicker so if you're in a situation like third and eight third and ten he's able to get the ball out quick and then maybe he's a five yard you tackle him you get off fourth down right there so th those are situations where you speed up that clock in a quarterback's head you have him get the ball out you maybe have him make an errant throw he's throwing off his back leg and that's what pressure does so sean decide dial up the blitz it's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's what's missing in this Bears defense because the front four is doing a great job first and second down. Third down, dial up the blitz. And it's going to be, I mean, maybe we're teasing a little bit of a key for next week. Jimmy Garoppolo consistently will throw the ball up for grabs. He has, he has a knack for throwing game-changing turnovers and interceptions. He has a knack for feeling the pressure even when maybe it's not there or maybe feeling the pressure a little bit too late. I mean, this is kind of set up perfectly for the Bears to do that, and hopefully that's going to be on their agenda all week long. And obviously, hopefully some of the, the team members uh, you know, that are on the COVID list right now can hopefully that they're healthy and they're doing okay and that they can get back on the field soon. Whatever, whatever, whatever. It's, it's a rule that's in place. It's a procedure that's in place, and obviously it's meant to keep everyone safe, and it's also meant... You know, it's also meant to be able to put players on and off the field. Bears aren't able to do that right now. They're struggling to be able to do that the last couple of weeks. They need to be able to get that straightened out and, and sorted out so they can suit up as many healthy players as they can to be able to help them out. And I think Robert Quinn coming back next week is going to be huge. I did, we need him back. I mean, he's been playing great in the, in the run game in the past game. So uh, having him back is just huge. And, you know, I think this situation where, uh, you know, it favors well for the Bears. We play well at home. I think that when the crowd gets in it, um, like you said, a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, when he's pressured, when you're in his face, he likes to throw it up. So I, I feel really good about this game. It's just de defensively I do, but offensively, we, we just need to see the running game. Like, that's it. Um, we, we know how, how to succeed here. Um, coaches know it. They know what they're doing well. You just got to go out there and do it. You know, you have to <laughs> run the run the ball. It needs to be over Bill Lazor's locker. Needs to be over Khalil Herbert's the offensive line, run the football, impose your will, you gotta be physical out there. And I think with Soldier Field and getting colder out there, we're gonna have to run the football in this cold weather football. I think that's gonna be the X factor if the Bears are gonna make any run at the playoffs. Today's episode of Believe in Bears was presented by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0 for 50% off. My name is Joe Christopoulos, Joey Sports Guy on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much for checking out this pod. Like and subscribe. Pass it on to your friends. Listenership is up. If you could just tell one friend this week that, you, hey, you checked out the Believe in Bears with Corey Wooten, go on and give us a shot. We would really appreciate that. Corey, man, um, terrible game. Good pod. Great to see you. Um, take yeah. us home, man. We'll be back in a couple of days to preview, hopefully, a Bears victory against the Bears 49ers in Week 8. Yeah, man, it was a tough one, but like you said, a great pod. Um, you can find me at Corey Wooten, C-O-R-E-Y-W-2-O's, two T's, O-N, Instagram, Twitter, um, breaking it down, talking the Bears stuff. Uh, have a lot of fun with this. We're going to give you the keys for, for this 49ers game, and hopefully the Bears can get a win. 
and uh, move move to 500 at that point. And uh, hopefully everybody will be feeling better about that offense, this Bears team, and Justin Fields. So that's all I got to say. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Thank you so much for checking out this pod. Take a couple days off. I don't know, watch the Chicago Bulls or something, and then come back down and refuel, recharge up, and get ready to bear down when we return with our Bears 49ers preview. Until then, be well. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.